Hello and welcome to the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast. Today's broadcast is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Click the link below to learn about U.S. Bank's credit card processing program, and we definitely thank them for sponsoring this broadcast. In part two of our discussion of the ideal team player, how to recognize and cultivate the three essential virtues, Washington Hospitality Association President and CEO Anthony Antone is joined by Taryn Patel, Vice President of A1 Hospitality Management in the Tri-Cities and an officer of the Asian American Hotel Owners Association, and Lane Haas, Vice President of Operations at Anthony's Restaurants. With them is Chris Jensen, a consultant with Table Group. We hope you enjoy. And the book that probably is a good way to get this conversation started and think about it was The Ideal Team Player, um, which is one of the many great books from, um, from the Table Group. Um, Chris, can you give us a little summary of, of, of the book and, and what drove uh, the Table Group to put this together? Yeah, thank you, Anthony. And this is an exciting podcast. I, I think you're right. At this moment, the biggest conversation is around finding people. And uh, finding the right people, especially when organizations are under pressure, is critical. That's probably been the number one conversation I've been having. And the Ideal Team Player is the book we wrote to answer the question, how do we know in a world where we want people to collaborate, work together more effectively, are there, are there people who are inclined to naturally do that better than others? And for a long time, we didn't actually know. We just assumed everyone everyone can learn to be a team player. And for the most part, I think we believe that's true. Um, but you know, over you know nearly thirty years of working with executive teams and management teams and leaders all over the world, we realized there are some things that are true. And um, and that's where the genesis of the ideal team player book came out of the number one question we were getting from from leaders was are there people now that we understand teamwork are there people we can look for who are inclined to help us more quickly function like a cohesive team and the answer is yes and that's what the ideal team player is and the the quick answer is um, we need to find people who are humble hungry and smart and uh, as we get it, when we'll get into the details of what those three things mean, but the idea is people need to be humble. They need, in other words, they need to have a very healthy view of themselves. Um, and so we look at humility as not just the absence of ego and arrogance, but also an accurate view of your strengths and what you can bring to the table. So people need to have humility. They need to have hunger, which is about this internal natural ambition and drive to achieve whatever we're looking to achieve. Um, as an organization or a, or a restaurant or whatever, whatever the organization is. Um, and people need to have smarts, which is the one word in our model that's different than what peop most people think of when you think of smarts. Most people think of intellectual smarts. Uh, but really what we're talking about there is relational smarts. Are people able to be aware of how their behavior affects others? And are they able to actually moderate their behavior in order to work effectively with others? Lane, I'll start with you this time. I think I started with Taryn last time. The when you're recruiting a, a leader in or in a key role, um, how close was this book uh, in getting what you're looking for in the in ideal team players? Not the technical skills of can, do they can they read a PL and do they know how to hire, but in finding the ideal team players. And 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 what are the core things that you focus on in trying to recruit the right people? 
to, to your company? So I take a step back and say that um, the most important people we hire are not, are not our managers. It's our team members because they most often become our managers and we can teach. We can teach them how to, you know, wait tables or be a bartender or be a server assistant. If they then become a management team member, we always have to remember that we they have that skill set and we have to teach them to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And so it starts with, you know, when they start with us, do, are they um, embodying what we're about? You know, are they um, the personality that hospitality demands? Are they hungry? Do they want to grow? You know, not only when I'm a server assistant, do I want to be as efficient as I can and make as much money and get as many hours as I can, I want to be a server. And when I'm a server, what is my next step? Um, And so those um, qualities that we look for in personality are often more important than the skill set. You know, are they outgoing? Are they, it's, it's hard to be in this industry and not be outgoing. You know, do they have a bubbly personality? Can they smile? I mean, sometimes, and Anthony, you know, you, you know, some of the people I grew up working for, I do being efficient is wonderful, but if you don't smile, nobody cares, you right. know, none of the guests coming through the door care. So, you know, looking for those qualities that create that atmosphere that you want to, you know, invite the guests to be a part of, um, is so important. And now we're finding that we have to learn how to even recruit younger than we would, you know, there were for years that we would not hire anyone under 21. And then Mm -hmm. we started to recruit 18 to 21. And now we're looking at this summer, you know, we had to bring in even a few younger people, but they had those those core personality um, traits of being hungry, wanting to learn. Personality for us is such a huge part of this. And when they're young, they may not, you know, they may not be politicians, but certainly sometimes they can be slackers. And certainly, you know, <laughs> trying to ferret that out, like, you know, how often do you, you know, what do you do at school and how much do you, you know, do outside of school and what's important to you outside of school or how would your parents describe you as a contributor to your household? Um, you know, some of those questions we wouldn't ask, you know, 10 years ago, cause we were interviewing people 21, we'd be asking college and we'd be asking, you know, their previous jobs. Now we're saying, you know, what do you like at home? Our goal is always to grow and advance from within. So that's where we really start. That's, that's our important. And then when we do have to, you know, hire managers from outside, it's, it's looking for those same qualities because they're going to be leading that, that other team of servers and bussers and bartenders, and they've got to lead with those same qualities that we want that group to have uh, going forward. It's, um, you know, it's kind of, we haven't said we know who we are. We're not the coolest, hottest restaurant concept in town, but we know who we are. And, you know, if you want to be a chef in the coolest, hottest place in town, you're probably not going to work with us. But if you want to be, work with great people and you want to put out beautiful food and you want to cultivate relationships, then, you, you know, we're suited. We are you. 
So it's, it's really understanding, I think, who you are before you start looking and hiring and what you have to offer people. I just, I love it. Uh, it. Taryn, similar question. When you're going to go out and, and recruit team members, um, did this book make sense? And are there other, uh, what are your, what are your key tricks in finding not the technical skill side, but the, the, the few people who are going to fit your team and, and create and push the great team atmosphere day one. Yeah. It, it's, it starts ground level, right? To Lane's point. Um, our company philosophy is very similar to what Lane just described is we're all about bench strength. We love promoting from within. It's, uh, I don't want to say it's a lot easier, but it, it makes extending our culture, um, organizational culture across our properties a lot easier when a team member has gone up through the ranks within our own organization. And when we start, we're looking for character. Um, someone, if they're willing to work hard, have the personality, like Lane said, the, the technical skill set, that's that's easy for us to teach. We can teach someone how to make a bed, how to check a guest in, how to make a key card, but it's those the core values um, someone possesses that those are the key indicators that we look for when hiring our entry level positions with the hope that we, we we're constantly training them for their next position right so giving them the incentive keeping them incentivized and hungry to grow within the organization and keeping their passion up and excited about the industry i think um, our biggest challenge right now as an industry as a whole is not only the large exodus we're having in the industry people leaving the industry with no intention of coming back but also the lack of interest in new entrants where um, I was talking to a few hospitality professors at our local WSU Tri-Cities and they're saying it's becoming a lot. They're seeing a, a downward spiral in interest among students in, in joining the hospitality program. So it's a kind of a global issue we have as an industry and in bringing that interest back and showing that it's not a, it's not a black hole position when you start as a server or a host. It's a it's an industry that's been created to help you grow and build a career out of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the big advices I've gotten from some people that are trying to help us as an industry. We got to sell the vision beyond that first step to the younger mm -hmm. generation. Um, yeah. Is it's not this job you're applying for. <laughs> it's the next two or three as you grow and selling a vision of what hospitality is about um, is, is a lot of the advice I'm getting from universities, work source uh, placement folks, and, and what they're hearing internally. Um, Chris, getting back to the book for a second. Mm -hmm. um, I hate when older people talk about younger generations, and I'm going to do it here for a second. Um, uh, seeing hunger can be sometimes a challenge in millennials, because I think it plays out differently. And ferreting <coughs> between the skillful politician and what's truly hunger um, is there any advice you'd offer the industry from from what you developed in this book and done team training exercises to truly identify hunger among millennials or others? Mm -hmm. uh, any tricks you'd offer or? Yeah, well, here, well, one thing I would say is we're talking about millennials and as Lane is talking about hiring people who are younger than 21, you realize right. we're actually below millennials now, which is just right. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think, I, I do think there are some incredible young people out there. And of course I'm biased. I have two teenagers who are working in hospitality at a senior center, they're food servers. And 
um, housekeep, you know, my, my son and my daughter do food service and housekeeping at a senior center. And, um, and they, they have a team of young people and their peers are incredibly hardworking that I didn't know anything about that organization until my daughter said, some of my friends are going to work at this senior center. Can I go apply? And I said, sure. And that the managers there do an incredible job of cultivating, you know, a fun environment. One of the things I think is true about the new, the young generation is more than laziness. They're more attuned to authenticity. So in prior generations, when leaders could just get away with just saying, you know, do what I do, but not what I, you know, do what I say, not what I do. You know, I think the younger generation is just more attuned to, if you're going to ask me to be hungry, do I see you modeling that behavior? Or are you just sitting back and, um, and just telling us what to do, but not working with me? And so I, I think the younger generation is actually, I would encourage us to think of them as putting a, a positive pressure on us as leaders to be real leaders, to be in the trenches with them. That doesn't mean we should be doing their job alongside them, but they should see us modeling the things we're asking them to do. And you know what? That's what credible leaders do. And so um, if we're diligent, those young people are definitely out there. One of our clients is, uh, is a large fast food chain restaurant and that many people have heard of, and they hire a tremendous number of young people. And that's one of the things, they do exactly what Lane said. They ask a lot about, you know, how are things at school? What are you involved in? And one of the things they've said is, we'd rather take 10 kids who are only available two, two days a week than three kids who are doing nothing in their life, so they're available every day of the week. So they would rather, because they, they love the energy of kids who are just responsible and hungry. And they're out there. They are definitely out there. Don't underestimate this young generation. As well. no, I, I, I think I heard from a couple of you here today. I think it's a great point. Learn about their existing lives and what they're doing, <laughs> because those are probably the indicators of how hungry they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think that's. They might not have had a productive outlet, but any kid that can sit in front of a video game and work to achieve and achieve and achieve and achieve something in them has some drive and ambition for success. It's being played out. Maybe you could argue in an unproductive way, but that might be the only vehicle where that's coming out. So when we as leaders can find those little seeds and say, let me channel that in another way that produces something for real human beings. And whether it's an experience in a restaurant or an experience at a hotel, that, you know, that begins to change the way they think. And that's, that's an important role leaders have. Um, I'm going to ask you advice. I'm an advocate of video games, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to ask you some advice for me from the three of you, because in this world of finding people and and being crunched to find people, and they're getting multiple job offers, and you find someone in the first interview, and they've been offered two jobs by the time you get to the second interview, and they're gone, you feel this pressure to speed up your process. Mm -hmm. We do an interview called a culture check, that I do the interview. It's not the person who's feeling the pressure to hire right away. I'm just talking to them as a team member. Um, and I want to know their culture, our core values. I don't look at their resume. I'm assuming that the other things, but <laughs> we've lost a couple of people who didn't get to the process where they got scheduled with me to do the culture check. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the right people on here. Um, do I need to be okay with that? 
do I, I need to speed this up and walk away from that? Any advice to me? Cause I feel like my process right now is long for what's going on in the reality of the world, but I'm also worried if I get away from this, I'm going to hire the people that are going to kill the culture I got and, mm -hmm. and start harming the value we deliver. Any advice to me on balancing the, the pressure of today's world and, and, and finding these good team members and how to end up and balancing the timing, any thoughts? You know, Anthony, we were talking yesterday about being paralyzed by process, um, that we have to take a step back and we know, we know how we've done it and we know the value of why we did it, but we've got to, we've got to move faster. So how do we really look at the process? Mm -hmm. And so one of the commitments we've made is finding out the days that a manager is going to interview or a sous chef's going to interview um, because the home office leadership is usually the second interview on that from the culture check standpoint and making sure we're available within, you know, like a 15 minute drive to get over there. If this is a real candidate, it's having to be, keep the, keep the value that we're looking for. Um, and then we've also instituted in some cases, some, some phone interviews. We've never done phone interviews just to start the process going a little bit quicker um, because it is moving so fast. And if someone is actually gonna show up for the interview, we've gotta be there to respond to them just as quickly because I think one of the most frustrating thing on all levels we're facing right now is people making interviews and then they never show. So that's where our phone interview conversations are starting to play a bigger role is, will they stay on the phone for 15 minutes? Will we be able then to, you know, feel better that they're gonna actually show up and be ready to respond far quicker rather than, you know, the chef talks to them and then the regional chef is out of town. Okay, then use the other regional chef or use another general manager. It doesn't have to be the same people who have always done it in the past, but who else has that same culture and same values? Let's 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 change this this cycle or this process, um, because we are having to move faster. They are getting too many offers, um, but we also are aware of the time we've spent waiting for them. Yeah. Chris or uh, Karen, any thoughts? And then after this, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna wrap it up. But any advice to me on that note? And then we'll we'll do yeah. some wrap up. I think it's finding that fine balance, right? You you definitely don't want to go away from being okay with not being able to ensure that this new team member you're bringing on board is not a good fit for the culture. Um, but what we've done is we we have a three round interview process, and we're very transparent with the candidate ahead of time. Look, you're going to go through this phase first, this phase next, and then at the end we let them know why why are we doing this. And uh, the way we look at it is if a team member is not willing to go through that process and appreciate that we're doing this and it's ensuring it's a it's a two-way fit right a good fit for them within the organization so they'll be able to grow but also a good fit for us then it's probably not a candidate if they're not willing to wait and be patient enough to wait the extra couple of days it's probably not a candidate that has intention of staying with your company for long um, probably a, a team member that is just looking for a short-term fit if they're not willing to wait an extra couple of days to be placed in the in an organization that's doing their best to make sure that not only are they fitting with their their good fit uh, mutual fit to each other yeah one one thing i would say is um and this is something this is kind of a point we make at the end of the book you know 
our our interview process oftentimes is stale, boring, and predictable. And it's one of the reasons why candidates, like we don't stand out to candidates very well. And, and so we, I think we need to take a step back and, and the process is so important. How do we, how do we change our process to create some intrigue and surprise while also evaluating, is this person going to fit with us? And so I think, you know, phone interviews are incredibly powerful. You know, what if, what if five people jumped on a phone and said, Hey, we, we got your interview. We want to ask you some questions. We're excited to learn about you. I mean, who does that? Um, having them do speed round interviewing. This is something we totally encourage. Go, go interview five people on staff, all different levels. And we want to introduce you to five or 10 different people all in the course of about 30 minutes. And in between those times, we encourage the, the current staff chat amongst each other real quick before I hand you off to the next person you know, did they exhibit humility? Did they exhibit hunger? Did they exhibit smart? I didn't really pick up on humility. Why don't you go check on, see if you can find out and do a little digging there. And, and the other thing is, is our interviews are conversational when the work isn't. And so we're interviewing for somebody's ability to talk to us across a table when their work is, you know, on the floor, on their feet. And oftentimes I think let's, Let's get them engaged in some something that looks a little bit closer to our actual work and see how they do. How do they talk to people? How do they interact? Can they handle stress? Do they think on their feet and think creatively? And so I, I think we need to kind of put a little bit more interest in the interview process. I promise any, any organization that thinks creatively about their will creatively about their interview process will stand out to candidates. It'll be far more intriguing and keep their interest. There's no doubt about that. And make it about learning about them while evaluating what you're learning and deciding, is this somebody who's going to succeed here? Well, I can't thank the three of you enough for sharing. I, I hate to bring this conversation to an end because I'm learning a lot. And I think the industry so needs these kind of things being shared and talked about as we struggle what a new world's going to look like in the next few years. Um, Taryn, any closing thoughts on finding ideal team players? for the industry um, uh, before we, we leave. No, I'm just excited to take this back. Um, I, I've already on the Venn diagram kind of mapped out some of my direct reports and see where they've fallen. And I'm gonna go give them some direction to start mapping out where their direct reports fall on that Venn diagram and see, see if this is something that we can apply and hit the reset button within our own organizations. <laughs> I think, um... You know, this this conversation and the, the book really emphasize how fluid this industry is and how fluid we have to be as leaders in this industry. It changes. It continually changes what our guests are looking for, what, what our team is looking for, what we're looking for in our team. And um, but making sure that we're taking the time to reevaluate within who that company wants to be. What do you value? What are your core values? How do you re, how do you retell the stories? How do you continue forward? And um, I personally have been through so many of these different changes, like every ten years or something. What it might be, there's nothing like right now. And I think this is a great time for us as an industry to reset, telling our story, and telling why this is a great industry and telling why we develop great leaders and how we're 
we change, we change and, you know, to make sure that this industry continues and finding the right people is really a, a big part of that and making sure that's a point of emphasis um, in your, in your company as you look forward to the, the next people who are going to lead your company mm -hmm. or take care of your guests or whatever level it may be, how important it is to take the time to make sure you're finding the right players. Well, Taryn and Lane, thank you so much. And one of the reasons I wanted to have it on today is you have some of the best teams. You've done some of the best practices. Lane, I always feel comfortable when someone says, where, where should my kids start to work about saying, go to work at Anthony's because all of your GMs have, have had that culture over the years of just being a great place. And so hearing how you've done that and a little insight has been great. Taryn, similar as I've been exposed to lodging, people always talk about VJ, uh, your dad, and, and all the great things he's done and wonderful to work for. And, and as I've watched you emerge as a leader in the industry, um, hearing people how much engagement they get from you. So taking the time to share this with others, I can't say thank you enough. Chris, bring it home. What did we not cover today that would be important for the industry to think through or uh, any last closing thought and we'll tell everyone good afternoon. I think, yeah, the, I think the thing to realize is the message in that book, the ITL team player are not just interesting things to consider. Every organization will be affected by the quality of their people. And so whether you want to acknowledge it or not, if you have an organization that doesn't have ideal team players, they aren't humble, they aren't hungry, and they aren't, they don't have good relational smarts, the organization will feel the effects of that. And so this is the, the message behind the book isn't, here's a good idea, maybe consider it. It's pointing out a, a fundamental truth that is affecting our organizations and highlighting it to say, this is something you can take, you could address right now. It doesn't require money. It doesn't require some investment in some other technology or some other resources. These are things we can pay attention to today. We can start highlighting and taking action on. And when we do, our organizations will reap the positive benefits of it. And so I just want to, I just want to point out, we're all experiencing the effects of having team, great team players or not great team players. Let's be intentional about it today and start changing that in the way that these two leaders are doing it now. Well, Chris, to you and the, and the table group for all you've done to help make workplaces better and, and, and illuminate leadership needs, uh, thank you very much for your time today and, and the work that you do. Everyone have, have a great a day. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll look forward to uh, hearing how this works out in the world. Give us your feedback. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Look for our next episode coming in December.